welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we train with Batwoman, get ready to rumble again, turn a werewolf into the Man of Steel, get the inside scoop on Justice League, and more. Uh, 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 okay, there we go. It had to turn it down. I clicked away for a moment to fix something and you people don't and ruined everything what's new but i'm not gonna ruin these introductions hi everybody i'm nick and that's the damn it we're off to a good start (laughs) hi everyone this is david i mean nick come on john wait wait who's john Ooh, john sounds interesting yes yes uh i don't even know if i have enough energy to follow follow that road all the way to wherever john leads um so i'm nick that's david we're confused getting up there in years you know how it goes yeah nick you're what um 80 now 82 pushing it yep yep they just revoked my license said uh (laughs) danger to society but appreciates my service wait hold up what i was like i didn't serve but okay what licenses they revoke my license to kill I am actually James Bond or John Bond, John Bond Jovi. Oh man, the brain's what? a magical thing. We are not high, everyone. Just what to is going clear that up. on right now? I just I, I i i threw a thought out there and then I jumped on it like a boogie board on at the beach, and it's not getting any better. No, it is not. What are these analogies? These. <laughs> is the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast, where David and I enjoy talking about comics to the extent that uh, we're not sure if anyone listens the whole way through. But if you do, you're treated to uh, incredible tales of us critiquing and praising and occasionally disparaging uh, uh, works of art that other people worked presumably very hard on, and uh, hopefully they feel good and or bad. Uh, <laughs> David. Hey, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm letting you take the Rains Just... when you're so competent tonight. Uh, and for the record, I know of at least one person who listens all the way through. Okay, thank you very much. Your mom? No. No, I I don't think my mom would even understand the words that we say half the time. At least she likes all of our posts, she which would... is more than I can say for my mom. It's true. Oh, God. There are I'm not going to explain it. Uh, who listens? Wait. Who listens to it all the way through? Uh, my friend Marco. Oh, cool. Um, so, comic books came out today as they do every week. Yeah, hold on. I gotta. Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and barrel into this because I'm afraid of any other pre-show banter we would attempt. No, I uh, think this is good. I think I'm excited about where this show is yeah, going to go. Yeah, we should definitely not restart. We should definitely go with this. Oh, Lord. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right. Comics did come out this week as they do every week. And uh, actually, a lot of comics came out for me this week. 
Uh, but apparently you only read like two. I read Trace, and technically a lot of books came out this week for me. I only just read Trace of them. I kind of bailed through three of them and then went to work and then just didn't touch anything while I was at work. I mean, literally, I touched nothing at work. I just stared at my desk, never clocked in. Just everyone thought it was really weird, but I told them to just go with it. Okay. Uh, David, so Rumble is back after a long hiatus. How long has it been, actually? I looked this up uh, recently. Let me go ahead and do that while we talk here on the show and, uh, and, and string words together and attempt to, you know, vamp the silence, uh, as we continue on here in the image website loads up and issue 11, which is the one that just came out. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're really trying buddy. Well, okay. Images website is not, is not working with me right now. I think uh, we can estimate it's been a few months. It's been it's been quite a few months. Since, or has it been since like the end of last year? I don't think it's been since the end of last year. I'm really like I'm determined to look this up now, even though this is wonderful podcasting. Uh February Margo's excited. Huh? For yeah. I was just saying the one listener is excited for you too. So actually it was uh December of of last year. Wow. Okay. Was the last time that we saw uh, Rumble that? Whew. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so six months later, uh, we have the return with Rumble number eleven. Hope springs eternal. Is that the name Wait, of the new? issue? What? What's the phrase? Not Hope, important. Hope right springs. Now. Okay. So Rumble eleven. So Rumble by John Arcudi and James Heron. Um, a brief reminder of of what had gone on last time and i've kind of gotten to the point where it's like i used to be like you know we're gonna be really careful with spoilers and be vague but i'm getting a little bit past that point so like movies i think i'm pretty clear on like i'm not gonna spoil that but comics i'm a little looser on you know mm. anyway so uh, i'm saying all that to say that uh where things left off is rothrock who uh was a demigod uh, that got imprisoned for a thousand years by the demons that he used to kill. Uh, and then when his soul was released, it went into a scarecrow. Just catching you up. And now he is returning to hunt those demons. Uh, I believe they're called Esu, actually. But uh, this story is uh, essentially about his journey. But also, at the same time, there is a young man named Bobby who gets unwittingly dragged into all of this. Um... And, you know, he's not, like, special. He's not, like, a great warrior. He's not the chosen one. He is just a kid who is stuck in the middle of this. And his buddy, whose name I can't remember, is also along for the ride. So the last time that the book ended, uh, the the three of them red, rescued a bunch of these half-demon, half-human kids. So Rothrock can't kill them because they're half-human. Uh, but he also is conflicted that he doesn't want to protect them because they're also... Uh, you know, it's on the first page. I might as well just read what the word is. Uh, yeah, they are Isu. So they're also half Isu, so he he can't hurt them, but he doesn't want to protect them. Uh, which leaves it to uh, Bobby's buddy to look after him, and uh, that's probably all going to go super great. He's got a half dozen, or like a dozen Isu human children living in his apartment, eating a bunch of pizza. Uh, meanwhile... Uh, Bobby 
and the last issue, his mother was in, was in a coma and she came out of the coma in the last issue. And in this one, they have a brief conversation before she dies. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's rough stuff. Um, and he, uh, there's also this, this female he's interested, whose name is Tima. Let me make sure I get that right. I think it is Tima, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so after his mom dies, Tima's comforting him and is like, hey, I want to show you something, and shows him this mat, this, this scroll, essentially, that has this spell written in the strange language, and it's revealed that she was the reason that his mom came back to life. Uh, for a couple of minutes and they get into this really big argument. He's very upset at her. Like, I never asked you to do this uh, To which she's kind of responding like you don't understand your mother was calling out to me. I didn't do it for you I did it for her uh, And that's just kind of how things end with them well, at the same time Rothrock who Rothrock's body is currently being possessed by an Isu uh, And he's who is going to try and destroy it in an attempt to fully defeat Rothrock well, hit to crush his spirit because Rothrock can't fight him because that would hurt his body, and then he can't get back into it if the body is damaged. So that's kind of where we're at in this issue. Uh, this is—I was so excited to find out that this book was coming out this week. Uh, it is—it's just still awesome. I'm—I'm I'm very interested in the world that they're building because they're continuing to build the world at a at a nice little pace. But they're really starting to ramp up the emotions of this book, um, especially in the the scene between Bobby and Tima. Uh, it, it's it's a really great interaction, uh, and it's it doesn't feel at any point like forced or strange, like it is. It, it's just very naturally written for a very insane scenario, uh, and and you you know you. You can see both sides of the argument. You get why everything is really, really difficult for for both of them, and uh, and you just like come away from this issue a little bit heartbroken, um, like not really sure, you know, what how to how to feel about all of it. Uh, and and all of the storylines are given like an, a nice equal weight. Nothing feels like it's overshadowing the other. Like I'm caring just as much about. Uh, the Bobby and Tima fight as I am about Rothrock attempting to get his body back. Um, it's it's just a, it's just very very well balanced in that way. Uh, James Heron's art is continues to be really spot on for this book. Um, there's a couple facial expressions that I thought were a little bit over the top, uh, but there's just also some really great detail moments. Uh, like Rothrock comes home, back to his house, which is like an abandoned house that he's staying in. Uh, mm -hmm. and his, his, he has like a three-legged dog that's following him around named Apache. Uh, and as he's going to open the door, Apache turns around and starts growling at something. And it's this close-up shot of, um, of Apache's like snout as he's snarling and the lips like curling back. And it's like very highly detailed, Versus like some other shots that aren't as much. And it's just, it's like this, a nice little attention to a moment like that, that like you get the sense of like, oh shit, something's wrong because this dog is really peeved with the way that he looks. Uh, the overall design aesthetic of the book remains strong. It's not 
it's it's a good start to the next story. Um, and I, I think I complained last week about Descender, which felt I you know I, I felt like ah oh, this they wrote this really well to be part of a trade, but I don't think it was very strong standing just by itself. Where I felt like yeah this is contributing to the overall story, but I was satisfied with what I got in this issue. Uh, it it was contained enough in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of my overall thoughts on on Rumble. Um, really, really solid issue. If you are not reading this book yet, uh, shame on you. But you have uh, you have two volumes that are out at, at, by this point. Uh, he says as he double checks to make sure that volume two is out. Oh uh, yeah, volume two came out in February. So you have a, a great chance to catch up, and then uh, and then get on with this issue, which you would be a fool not to a fool. A and fool. It looks like. I, uh, so I'm probably a couple issues behind on it. Uh, I remember I looked at the cover for the one from December, and it was them walking in the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say maybe I'm on the issue before that one. Um, but based on what you said and what I've already read of the book, I'm, I'm definitely a fan too. I, I've always appreciated books that can juggle the fantastic and the absurd with the mundane, so to speak. So like the fact that like, despite all this crazy stuff going on, it's, you know, it seems like they're just throwing ideas at the wall, like spaghetti, but at the same time, like the emotional heart rings true. So I liked, I think it was issue six was kind of a slowdown issue where they kind of reflected on the, the events of the past few issues and you connected with Bobby on like an emotional level and like learned about more about his mom and all that. So I like that this book takes the time to really highlight the character's emotional states. Mm-hmm. I also liked how you described the, the argument between them and the fact that Bobby was more upset thinking that this was about that she was doing it for him, that it was about him. And it, and it's, uh, it, and it's funny because, you know, I think everyone, I think all of us are capable of having that thought process, especially when dealing with, you know, the death of a loved one. It, has to, it reflects back on us and our wants and desires and grief and concerns. But at the same time, the idea that uh, Tima gave his mother a few more minutes of life or whatever, exactly how you described it, you know, really had nothing to do with Bobby at all. It was what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And through Bobby's grief, like he couldn't see that he was just thinking about how it impacted him and his desires. Um, so I thought that that's kind of an approach that I feel like lesser writers might gloss over. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice that the the team of kind of stood her ground and that that instead of just having it be like I did do it for you, Bobby, it was like I didn't do it for you, I did it for your mom. Right. Well, and even like so, and I really like that they go reflecting on that moment a little bit more that they didn't have him like storm out and be like all upset and have her like sitting there being like but I didn't do it for you like not like not standing her ground you know because that could have been like a moment they came back to later where she's like don't you see Bobby I did it for your mother and he was like oh god I see what you're saying we're in a sitcom uh, that <laughs> that involves a scarecrow with a giant sword think we um, need to get a laugh track sound effect oh, I totally should I'm gonna work on that one uh, <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, I really like that, yeah, her interjecting with, with her own thoughts and not them saving that to round thing, you know, to, to, to kind of tie things up later and, and make everything great. It's like, no, nah, everything's messy in this issue. And I Good. like it. Good. I like messy. Nick, what about you? What did you read? 
So uh, one of the books of the few books that I read was The New Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka and mm-hmm. Liam Sharp. Um, I don't want to be a downer on it. I I wasn't impressed in the sense that it felt like a book that was being handled by an incredibly competent and high functioning and it's weird terms to use, but like as far as like a writer goes, like it's hard to find like and someone can correct me, I'm sure someone a bit more overzealous than I am, like a bad Greg Rucker comic, at least, you know, probably in like the last decade. Like, you know, he's just a guy that is very confident in his running, knows his style. You know, and, ha- and it's going to tell a story the way he thinks the story can be best told. And that's totally cool. But as far as this issue goes, it was very sparse. I didn't think that it utilized the economy of the page well, in the sense that, like, there was a- basically that the brunt of the issue was Wonder Woman kind of meandering through a jungle with a goal, mind you. Um, Coming up against um, occasional resistance, but not, but basically like saying, and what, and what was nice, let me back up. So basically meandering through the jungle, and then it would cut between her meandering and then some stuff going on between Etta Candy uh, and Steve uh, Trevor. Steve Trevor is also apparently part of a platoon that's going into the same country that woman's like meandering through a jungle in um so they're talking about like steve did you leak like that, that there was this crap going on in this country to her and he's like no and um so is that they're, they're, i'm trying to remember exactly how that scene kind of left itself but at the end of the day because it's wonder woman's book wonder woman just spends it meandering through the jungle and spoiler alert by the end of the issue it turns out that she was seeking the aid and um um assistance of aid and assistance is a terrible sentence the the aid of cheetah one of her longtime and most popular villains um and that's how the book ends so i felt like Hmm. in like the 20 or so pages of story that they had they could have accomplished a lot more it was just basically one big tease you i like his wonder woman and sort of like her internal process like on one hand it's annoying. I, I get that, like, she's been lied to. Her history isn't what she thinks it is. It's like a meta narrative on exactly about what's true, like, what, you know, what Wonder Woman's real origin actually is. So the parts where she was just kind of like, my life is a lie. I've got to find out the truth. Blah, blah, blah. I, obviously, I'm paraphrasing it terribly. Uh, <laughs> Greg, um, great, 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 great dialogue. Like my life is like a lie. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but so past that, those particular parts where she's just like talking about certain things or like, not like directly saying it, but kind of inferring that like, um, like when she comes to some of the resistance she comes across in the issue, she like her her immediate reaction is like, "I'm not going to fight you. Like, I'm not going to choose violence first. which is great that she's sort of utilizes a pacifist hero that's that her that violence is her last resort. Uh, I think especially because Wonder Woman's kind of being, and I bet with the upcoming movie and all, and obviously her depiction in Batman v Superman is. She's going to be kind of, I think, at her most simplistic is just sort of written off as a warrior woman. So the idea that when you get time to kind of slow down the pace and spend some time with her character, you see that her approach is truly nonviolence before the next step. Um, but again, my my main complaint with the book is that I felt like they could have utilized the, the, the space more wisely. There just there wasn't enough content. I thought. 
there was just a lot of like, my life is a lie. And hey, Cheetah, I need your help figuring out why my life is a lie. And then Steve Trevor and a candy show up and, and kind of take a few steps. And that's basically it. So um, I thought I could have been a lot better. Again, competently written. Um, definitely a key understanding of the characters and how they're supposed to act and all of that. But content-wise, very light. Uh, I understand that the book is coming out on a bi-weekly basis, though it is like we're only getting the present-day stuff once a month. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in that sense, you know, I realize that the, the past of my time to some respect, but it feels like, all right, if I'm waiting a month each time for this issue, for, for this particular storyline, like that's gonna, you know, that's gonna drag. So a little disappointed, but I mean, if you like Greg Rucka, um, you'll definitely enjoy this. Uh, Liam Sharp is Liam Sharp's art is, uh, he has a great, I, uh, I, for character design, um, just like his characters feel um, fully formed. I would say that he has, at least so far, displayed a great range of emotion. Everyone's just been kind of serious so far, so it's just been a lot of grimacing or straight face. Um, but I feel like, you know, that he can definitely expand. I haven't seen a lot of his previous work, so I'm not sure exactly where, where his, like, talents lie. Some of his action beats didn't necessarily seem like character were fully interacting with their environment like it seemed more posed um but overall like it was easy enough to follow one pound to the other so his storytelling was clear um so yeah beyond that one Woman number one i mean if you like what you're reading so far then keep with it if you're okay with that sort of you know i hate using the term decompress but with that slower pace um then go for it i personally was uh, disappointed in Maybe I'll wait to like kind of build up the issues for a bit and kind of read like the first six or so in a chunk and then kind of see how I feel then. Yeah, I uh, I was listening to someone else review the issue and they their thought on it was that um, they felt like it was a retread of stuff that had already happened in uh, in the rebirth issue and that that was disappointing. I also just realized that I might I might not be coming through the right microphone. We're going to find sounds, out. Sounds like you are. Sounds like I am. Yeah, I mean, you sound clear and fine. Okay, maybe I'm just crazy then. Maybe I can't hear myself for some reason. Anyway, that that's good. I'm glad we've, we've gotten 20 minutes into the show and uh, I haven't messed things up horribly. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's disappointing uh, to hear. I'll be curious to see how the... Wonder Woman year one storyline shapes up if, you know, maybe there's going to be a little bit more there for them to sink their teeth into immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's Greg Greca. You gotta have faith. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably a book that, um, you know, and having just read like his Lazarus book, uh, like the first four issues, which, you know, obviously I read the first four issues almost back to back. So maybe there's like there was an illusion of that. I felt like a lot of ground was covered to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this might just be a book, and Greg Rucka might be more suited to longer form storytelling. Um, and you know, that's why it's like I want to give it a few issues and read it and kind of you know, because I, I imagine the this this the present day story, which is called The Lies, is probably going to take place over six issues, and then the truth is going to take place over six issues. So you'll get like the first quote unquote year of the book. Um, you know, read it in one sitting. I bet it'll probably get it'll be a more satisfying read that way. Mm-hmm. 
So most, most we'll definitely. See. Yeah, we will see how that shapes up. Well, in the meantime, uh, we are going to talk about, well, while we wait for that to happen, uh, we're going to talk about Batman Detective Comics number 935. 935. It is pretty exciting, exciting that we're going to be living, presumably living, through uh, the thousandth issue of Action Comics and Detective Comics. What a time to be alive. What a time, what a time. It's a brief recap on uh, what's going on here is that there is somebody in Gotham who is hunting vigilantes, and Batman has approached Batwoman to, uh, to put together a team to find out who it is, and that team consists of Tim Drake, a.k.a. Red Robin. Yum. Uh, Cassandra Kane, a.k.a. Orphan. Yum. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Doesn't work. Or, orphan, yum. Oh, God, no. Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. Hey, a spoiler. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Basil Carlo, a.k.a. Clayface? Anyway, question mark. Question mark. Uh, anyway, these have all been these people have all been brought together to uh, find out who is bring trying to bring everybody down while Batman is doing his own investigation kind of thing. And uh, and this is our second issue into the storyline. Nick, what are your initial thoughts? I'm I'm surprisingly liking this book. Um, I think we're like, okay, we have this threat called the colony and to describe it, you know, um, the, the villains are, um, or at least they, they are dressed like Batman-esque, like armor. They almost kind of look like the Arkham Knight they a little like, bit, yeah, like a stripped down version of the Arkham Knight. Like a lot like the Arkham Knight. Um, and there's a bunch of them, at least 50 that we've seen so far. Presumably they have some leader, um, but they're called the colony and they have it out for Gotham's vigilantes, but we don't know their exact end game so far. And we may have mentioned it when a couple weeks ago, when the first issue of this new uh, era started, um, that they um, comatized. Comatose? Is comatized even a word? (laughs) They put Jean-Paul Valley, a.k.a. Azrael, in a coma, um, beat him into a coma, um, and that's kind of where we're left off. And basically, at the same exact time, Batman, who might be, who is alluding that he might know more than he's telling anyone in the group, even though he told Batwoman he was being completely upfront. Which I'm curious to hear what you think it is. I have an idea. Um, but I will say that structurally, what I think where it shines in, in this issue and the two issues so far is the is the character interactions. This is a book that, despite the overarching conflict they might be dealing with, the conflict is happening independent, presumably, with Batman assembling the team, as far as what we can see on the surface. So the idea that, okay, Batman brought these characters into the same room, but it's the relationships that are either already pre-existing or starting to bloom between them that I think is the, the, the gem of the book. Plus, it's nice having there's the moment where Batman brings Tim in on um, talking with Jean-Paul, and then they kind of have a moment afterwards, and it's just nice seeing Bruce and Tim have a relationship. And also, um, Bruce kind of points out, like, listen, like, when you became, you know, you when you became my partner, you wanted to be called Red Robin, 
because you didn't want to be a Robin, which I'm sorry, but just because you put red in front of your name does not make you any less of a Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but bat, but it's still kind of poignant where they, from like a meta narrative, Bruce is kind of putting that, you know, that that right. so, the nail in the coffin. But so, so just kind of, yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. So the the line is: uh, You always insisted you weren't Robin. You always kept yourself at a distance. I respected that, but I need you to know you were Robin to me, at least. Uh, which is really funny because there's that's when I on Reddit a lot of the time, and people talk about Tim Drake and how much of Tim Drake and down with Damian Wayne and yeah, yeah, blah blah blah. Uh, there, you know, people are always upset that he wasn't Robin. So this is kind of like a nice wink with being like, look. You know, you guys are tired of the reboots and, and the retcons, so we're not going to do that. But as far as Batman himself is concerned, Tim Drake was Robin. Yeah. And that that's a good thing, and that's, you know, and that matters to Bruce. Uh, and hopefully someday he... I, I, I liked the Red Robin book, like, when it was pre-New 52, and, and Tim Drake took on the Red Robin identity mm-hmm. after being Robin. It was kind of. It wasn't so much like a graduation, like Nightwing was, but it was sort of like a point five step. Um, so I did like there was an acknowledgement of it. I kind of would be cool with Tim sort of graduating to another identity at this point, um, just so that at least the Robin name's kind of squarely in Damien's camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Like I said, it's the character dynamics so far that are are making it work, and also like. I don't care about the haters. I actually like that Clayface is on this team. I mean, like, you can definitely push Clayface into, like, maniacal, you know, crazy pants territory. But I, I do prefer the, the more tragic, you know, he yeah. just made all the wrong decisions after a terrible life experience. No, yeah, I definitely like the angle they're taking with him, which is, like, yeah, you know, he's he's a bad guy, but he's kind of a victim of a circumstance. Like, things, it, it would suck to be Clayface, guys. Like, Everyone's going to treat you like a monster, so you might start acting like a monster. Um, as far as like the, the interactions in this book, I agree they definitely do sell it, even though we have the return of the Tim Drake and spoiler romance, which... Uh, which was much beloved, by the it way. It was much beloved. I know. I, as, as, much, as much as I loved, uh, uh, you know, just totally pretend that i hate stephanie brown okay not pretend that i as much as i'd love to hate stephanie brown i understand for (laughs) i'm gonna take that first line uh keep going though anyway uh i know that people really really do like her and they like their like the romance there and there's totally that moment of you know uh of cassandra in the window with like that smile on her face and is like we know this is how you feel fans uh (laughs) she was about to cock block them Right, exactly. Um, so, for the people who care about that, congratulations. I actually don't have a strong attachment to Tim Drake. Uh, hashtag not my Robin. So, uh, you know. Uh, actually, another interesting thing, uh, jumping back on sort of like the character dynamics, is on one hand, I did like uh, Batwoman's dad in the previous issue, just, just the way that it was like very clumsily setting up like her position in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one, Though it's weird. On one hand, like I'm trying to remember her dad from the the Greg Rucka Batwoman, and I felt like he was, a, I mean, he's an army dude, but I felt there was something more passive and at ease about him. And this one, he's kind of aggressive and definitely seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. But upon further further pervert, upon further reflection of the 
scene, the two-page scene that he has in this issue talking with Kate, Kate Kane, um, I liked that he kind of dredges up that there's an animosity between the Canes and the Waynes uh-huh. that, that I think is interesting. Uh, uh, it's, it's also interesting that he looks down on Batman. First off, he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Right, but you have to you have to think that Bruce, in revealing that, would know if somebody was listening because he's Batman. You know, like he yeah. would... Well, I, I think... I mean, Kate Kane already knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. She either... The father, her her dad, either discovered it alongside her or figured it out himself. But they obviously, Kate Kane and him share that knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like that his perspective is different from just any any other person about Batman because there's a familiar element to it and that the Kanes traditionally don't like the Waynes. Yeah. Um, so I just, I thought that was an interesting way to take it that he his anim, any animosity he feels towards Batman is based on sort of like familial grudges. Yeah, which is, it's just it's just interesting. It's like he's he's clearly like he's a good man, he's a good guy, but you know not so good that he can't rise above you know petty again familial grudges, which I just I just liked. I thought that was made him a bit more complex of a character. Yeah, I I was actually a little bit lukewarm on that interaction. I think part of that was the terrible two-page layout uh i really did not like how that that spread was set up and i felt like it was very cluttered and they you know this is kind of the disadvantage of they're like all right we get to keep it at 299 you know we got to do less pages which means that for some of these scenes they're going to jam a whole lot of dialogue into into them and I felt like this one was just, it was kind of bogged down by the amount of words on the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, as a, as a complaint for this book, uh, as for what Batman knows, I think it is that, um, I, I mean, I'm just going to call this here, uh, is that he's involved with the colony and that his whole talking to her last time, like you should be in charge of an army has to do with the colony in that he believes that she should be the one leading these faux bat vigilantes and not whoever is currently leading them. Or maybe he's the guy who's actually leading them and wanted to bring her in as kind of his second in command. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that's uh, the way that it's, it's setting up. Uh, There's one thing about the art in this book is they kept having these random panels or these random shots that weren't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. They almost like colored differently. Yeah, like there was like the like the Tim and uh, the Tim and Steph scene, like yeah. the bottom. It just felt like it was almost not pastel, but it yeah, was definitely that's... colored differently. No, and, and there's and then there's a few instances of it where there's sudden like, yeah, it, it was very like pastel. Is I think it was a good way of of putting it. I, I don't know. They just kind of like caught me off guard a couple of times. Um, I definitely think you're onto something, though, as far as Kate Kane's dad having something to do with the colony. Like, it, on one hand, like, he could have just been part of the book because he's part of Kate Kane's supporting cast. But the fact that, like, this is her home for right now, so there's aspects of her life that would that would bleed into the main narrative or impact the narrative. And I think making him part of that definitely elevates his character in a way. But the fact that he's all... But, I mean, I'm assuming that when they went to go be of Jean-Paul, like... Like they were intending to kill him, not just knock him around and scare him out of being a vigilante. So, well, but was I mean, it, I, he, he was alone by the time. I guess they could have scattered before Batman got there. I mean, so they could have left him for dead, or, or they they 
aborted the mission or whatever. But uh, it just it's interesting. It, like the fact that you know it's one thing if you don't like that there's other vigilantes or you want to try and scare them away. But if this is designed to be a more benevolent force. It, going on your theory that it might be Kate Kane's dad, because my impression of him is that he might be a little cranky, but he's a good person, um, that they wouldn't just go and beat someone half to death and then leave them there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess we're just going to have to keep reading Detective Comics to find out what the Every heck is going weeks. on. Uh, yeah, overall, I am liking the story. Um, a couple of art moments and, and layout moments in this issue were not my favorite, but overall it is, it is very strong. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think Tinian, James Tinian, the fourth is doing a really good job with, uh, with this book. And this is kind of not to say that he hasn't done bigger titles before, but Hey, being on detective comics is like really the big leagues as far as DC is concerned. It is, and 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 another shout out to Eddie Barrows, where you know some wonky page layouts aside, uh, I think his character work is really strong as far as like, expressions and body language, uh, and also the fact that on a lot of his panels he gives them backgrounds, which seems like a rare thing these days. Yeah, yeah, and there was um, a couple of bat-shaped panels. Uh, one that I particularly liked is when Batman's on the bridge, and he's talking to Alfred, and he's like, "I'm not alone," and then like the panel beneath that like immediately is this sort of like outline of the Batmobile surrounded by these two cars. Uh, I don't know. It's, just, it's a cool like little layout. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted on, on several parts of this, of this book, uh, which I guess kind of makes me walk away a little bit lukewarm because there's stuff as far as the, the art and the layouts are concerned that I really liked and some that didn't exactly work for me, but I'm not, given up on this book by any stretch of the imagination. I'm definitely going to, you know, see through this story and probably see what comes next. Excellent. Yes. Well, I think that about wraps it up for our general discussion on books that came out this week. I don't know why I'm like slipping into an NPR voice uh, at this point. And we just want to remind you that you can donate at any time on NPR.org to keep us on the airwaves. Next up, we discuss postmodernism in the current age of IDW publishing G.I. Joe. <laughs> but uh, really what we're going to do is look out for... Spider-Man and his amazing friends! While we work on to the news. I feel like you... you, you like, I feel like you're... I sense you like waiting all week until you get to do that again. Just have Spider-Man swing by. Let me have this. <laughs> this is this is important to me, guys. All I have. So we've got a smattering of some news this week. Some interesting stuff came out. I think the biggest of that is the Justice League information that got revealed. Uh, so for those who are unaware, a Justice League movie is coming out. And we got ourselves an official little synopsis, and uh, some plot details have emerged. And a logo, which I and really like. Yeah, I do too. People were complaining about the location of the star. Why? I don't know. People like to complain. Uh, but it's it's very clean, very crisp. It doesn't scream grim dark uh, the way that you know, some other, like the way that people I think are expecting to come out of like DC stuff. 
it's mm-hmm. it's very like yeah it's very snappy i really i really do dig it uh anyway the official synopsis for justice league reads fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by superman's selfless act bruce wayne enlists the help of his new found ally diana prince to face an even greater enemy together batman and wonder woman work quickly to find and recruit a team of metahumans to stand against the newly awakened threat but despite the formation of this unprecedented league of heroes batman wonder woman aquaman cyborg and the flash it may already be too late to save the planet from an assault of catastrophic proportions i almost said the wrong word that sounds like proportions and starts with an a uh directed by Zack snyder this marks the big screen debut of the justice league featuring an all-star lineup ben affleck henry cavill gal gadot or gal gadot jason momoa ezra miller and ray fisher uh i would like to point out that henry cavill's name was included in that cast list it was included yeah ben affleck and henry cavill were the first two names i mean i don't think anyone would be shocked if henry cavill shows up in the movie i mean first off yes he's gonna come back like that's just a given but even if they showed him like revisiting the, his death from another angle or, uh-huh. or showing a flashback to him saving someone yeah uh what i mean what are your what are your thoughts on the synopsis though well coming out of batman v superman um you know uh it, it's kind of the natural evolution of what of the groundwork that was laid in Batman v Superman. So if you didn't like that groundwork per se, you might not like where it goes. Obviously, we're dealing with the same creative team. And and here's the thing: one one thing that people are just like, oh, it sounds like not that the movie has to be like tongue in cheek and funny the whole time, like that they're they're going totally into that camp, or that they're going to completely ape the quote unquote Marvel method, whatever you want to call it, but. It's the idea that, okay, listen, we re- we do realize that the last movie was very dark um, and that this movie is going to have some levity, you know, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that doesn't negate that the threat's going to probably be very serious. Um, but at the end of the day, I didn't care necessarily that Batman v Superman was dark. I think you can tell a dark Batman versus Superman tale. It was that it wasn't told well. Mm-hmm. So it's great that this movie is going to have... Um, maybe some sense of humor, maybe be a bit more snappy, um, you know, have fun with itself to a certain extent while still telling a compelling story. But again, the story just has to be told well. So I'll just say like, you know, I mean, I feel like from a marketing standpoint, they just can't, they, you know, they can't actually come out and be like, yeah, we totally cut that movie to shit. Um, and he's just kind of be like, oh, people didn't like that. It was too dark. We're going to make it funnier. It's like, no, just, you let Zack Snyder do his visual flair. Have someone else come in and kind of you know push put the scenes or uh, assemble the scenes in a way that will feel that will be paced well and feel compelling and get people engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe tone down the overt symbolism a bit and no weird dream sequences. Um, so that's that's kind of my approach. Like I'm I'm hopeful for the movie. I think after Batman v Superman, even though I didn't dislike it, I'm more cautiously optimistic about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think something that really stands out for me uh, with this is that opening line of fueled by his restored faith in humanity, inspired by Superman's selfless act uh, while referring to uh, Batman. 
because I thought that one thing that was clear to me was the Batman that we got in the film and how jaded and uh, and rough that he was. Uh, but I realized that did not really come through for everyone or people weren't, weren't satisfied with how that was presented. Uh, so I'll be very curious to see how they approach that character going forward uh, and what changes they're going to make to him and to see if it's going to feel like a reaction to, okay, you guys said you didn't really like how we approached him in, in Batman v Superman. So here's a whole new take in justice league, or if it's going to feel, and I hope it feels like a natural uh, progression for the character. Um, I mean, in Batman v Superman, if one character had his world more, more well, well realized, it was Batman. I mean, definitely to almost the detriment of Superman's world, which felt either underutilized or just underdeveloped and not executed well. Um, though they execute Jimmy Olsen well. <laughs> um, with Batman, I mean, there's a clear character progression where maybe you didn't like how that you had to sit through a movie where he was super, super, super grim, dark and like blatantly letting people die, if not outright killing them, um, you know, and, and, and having to go through that super dark tree. But from a standpoint of the narrative and about where the character came from and what he experienced through the film. And by the end, again, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I think the idea that in light of Superman's death and their reconciliation, the, the fact that Batman has kind of woken up to the fact that there's bigger things going on than just, you know, the, the shit that they didn't deal with in Gotham, that he would, that he is, this is kind of like a second coming of Bruce Wayne, of Batman, uh, and that he's going to do things differently. How differently remains to be seen. You know, I don't think this is a Batman that's going to pull his punches, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, especially, I mean... Like, it's, I don't think he's going to be treating criminals nicer. Maybe he won't brand them. Um, but, I mean, I think from a from a psychological perspective, like, he obviously wants to be a better hero, but better in the sense, like, in the sense of what? Like, what does that mean? That's ultimately going to come down to how they're going to execute it in the film. And we're not really going to know that until we at least get a trailer, but obviously until we see the film itself. Also, I don't think we really did. We, if we talked about this, if we did, then I forgot the fact that um, J.K. Simmons has been getting ripped. Oh, for yeah, we did League. not talk about this. Yeah, he is crazy in shape. He's like sixty-one years old, and he's freaking built. Man, them gains. This is what steroids do to you, kids. Like guys, that's Hollywood. Um, but I mean, just like it's. I'm not saying that 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 uh, Jim Gordon can't be. I mean, because he's supposed to be like former Marines, like he could be a big built guy. Um, I feel like he's not usually portrayed that way. Even Jim Gordon as Batman, you know, was clearly athletic looking and, 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 and strong, but definitely seemed on the slender side. When you're looking at JK Simmons arms, you're like, Holy crap. Well, he was also, I mean, not to say that they aren't impressive. They definitely are, but the guy was also like mid curl, uh, while lifting weights. Like, yeah, like he's definitely, gonna look good for this movie but he also in that picture it probably looks way more ripped not way more but considerably more ripped than he actually is uh I, there's a, there's a quote from uh affleck about um that's affleck not affleck the insurance company they don't affleck uh, but ben affleck talking about um uh, you know his his furthered take uh during this uh set visit i don't know why i can't word 
Uh, Affleck, who debuted as Batman and Batman v Superman, shared with reporters insight into his take on a more hopeful Dark Knight. Uh, to which Affleck responded, he's a little bit more sardonic, a little more irony. He's a little more of a man on a mission this time, as opposed to uh, he was so full of rage because of what happened at the Black Zero event. That sort of rage had possessed him. Uh, and he goes on to Black say... Black Zero, as in I think Metropolis? I think so. Uh, anyway. But more of that sort of Bruce Wayne, wry, ironic gallows humor comes out. He's not like a ha-ha jokey but that sort of stuff comes out a little bit. He, a bit of his darker humor is present. So we'll have a Batman who's making some jokes. Uh, that'll be interesting. But th another mm. big thing uh, is that they have now confirmed who the villain will be in Justice League. Still part one? Not part one. There's no There's part just... one or part two. I'm so glad they changed that. In Justice League, the first. Uh, and that is... Darkseid's General Steppenwolf. Who's his nephew or uncle, uncle. uncle. or something? It's his uncle? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, so Steppenwolf is kind of a character where maybe if you're like a diehard Fourth World Kirby fan that you might like have like your Steppenwolf tattoo and all that stuff. Um, to me, like he's kind of bland insofar as he's just kind of like like at least some of the pictures I've seen him in, and I haven't read a ton of stories with him. I don't think he's been in a ton. I know. I, I think he was in dark side war a bit. So I, I must've read him in the first few issues. Um, he's just like, there's so many villains that DC could utilize. And I'm not saying that step Steppenwolf is a bad choice. He just doesn't seem like a super inspired choice. Now, obviously this is all leading to a fight with dark side, presumably in justice league two, Excuse me, but I just feel like with Steppenwolf, like, if anything, they should have done some modified version of Starro or Despero or even had sort of been there been like a, conf a conflagration against like Atlantis in I, the first one. I like how and you're then, sitting here talking about like, oh, Steppenwolf, if you really know Kirby, you might know him. And then you name drop like three characters that nobody's ever heard of. Not, I, I just mean, I. I'm just saying from a villain standpoint, he's just kind of like evil dictatory type, you know, the evil general, right, which we kind of got with Zod. Um, well, but I think their mission is a little bit, well, I guess it's slightly it, similar, but I mean, I think this is more of an invasion instead of a... Zod's was an invasion, more or less. Invasion is a, a bit vague of a term. I mean, right. it's a very clear term, it was but a, also... His was, a, his was a terraforming. Yeah, invade the world, take it over. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying, invading. like, I mean, obviously, until we see the film, I'm not gonna like beat up on it too much. I just feel like they could have. I, I just, I feel like there were more creative and entertaining options out there than just sort of who will presumably be more or less like a growling bad guy. You know, Seven Wolf isn't this kind of character that's kind of known for like his wit or quips, like say Loki was not to do a Marvel versus DC thing, but it's just, he's just literally I'm evil and I look like an evil general and my armor is really cool, but that's all that's really going on. Hail dark side. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see on what their approach is going to be. I mean, you have confessed you're not 
you know, the world's biggest new gods fan, you know, you don't know them incredibly well. There might be people out there who like are going to be super excited to see their, uh, you know, Steppenwolf out there. I think it, it makes sense. I know you were kind of hoping for like an Atlantean war situation, uh, which I thought could be super interesting, but I would also like them not to take 15 movies to get to dark side. Uh, because I agree. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm already tired of the 15 movies. It's taking us to get to Thanos. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, Hey, if they can kind of set that up where it's like just in the first justice league movie, uh, Steppenwolf is bringing that the first wave in and, you know, cause, uh, and is met with more resistance. So he goes back and is like, Hey, uh, dark side, you're going to have to lead the masses in. Um, Apparently, also in the ultimate cut of BVS, uh, there's a little more hint at Steppenwolf. Um, so I'll be very curious to see when that comes out. Do we know when that comes out, actually? Early July, I think. Uh, BVS Ultimate Edition release date. Let's find out. This is what Google is for, people. And this is why we do it in the middle of the show and not before. Oh, man, that headline cuts it right off. Uh, well, man, and that headline doesn't tell me either. This is starting to get real annoying. July 16th is not the release date for the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Blu-ray. No date has been released yet. Okay, so we're still not sure, I guess, on when it's coming out. Uh, but sometime before too long. Moving on. July 19th. Are you, like, at all sure on that? That's what I just saw. From where? I googled Batman v Superman down just Ultimate Edition release date, and it says this title will be released on July 19, 2016. We'll see about that. Speaking of Superman, there's going to be a Superman on the CW. On yes. Supergirl, which is cool. That I'm, I'm glad that they're not going to try to spend... I mean, I... From what I saw of the Supergirl season, and I only technically saw it, I think, through the halfway point so far, I do want to watch the rest. But I thought, like, the fact that they, they either at, on CBS they weren't able to use Superman or whatever the case may be, that why they couldn't use him from a storytelling standpoint, it made no sense. I, I, I mean, okay, on one hand, I get that he wants to let her, you know, grow on her own. And I'm not sure exactly all the different threats she, she faces that he, he wouldn't show up. But I just felt like there were times where he should have shown up, you know, right. where there was really nothing stopping him from showing up. And there's, you can only take, I want you to grow on your own so far before it was like, um, maybe she shouldn't have to deal with this by herself. Yeah. It had kind of gotten ridiculous uh, to a point where he actually did save her at one time, but, oh, we're not going to, we're not going to show him. But he uh, leaves right away. Right, he leaves like as soon as that's that's ready. Uh, but CW has been like, nope, forget that. We're gonna bring him on as a recurring character, played by Tyler Hoechlin. Hoechlin, I think is correct. Uh, for those of you who don't know who that actor is, uh, congratulations, you're most people. Uh, if you're like me, you were unemployed for a month and watched Teen Wolf because you still don't know why, but you were introduced to Tyler Hoechlin as uh, a character on that show. And also the best part of that show. Let me just go ahead and say that. Uh, but anyway, he will not be joining season six of Teen Wolf, which apparently that show is still on, and is moving over on to 
uh, Supergirl. It has not been announced exactly how many episodes he'll be in yet. Uh, the show premieres sometime in October. But I gotta say, this is a dude that looks the part. This is, uh, I think, uh, I think they they did a good job with their casting. Uh, he's, you know, definitely the the kind of buff macho dude you want playing it. And uh, yeah, I'm very interested. Here's my concern with the character uh, is that because yeah, they can't have him come in and overshadow Supergirl. Uh, you know, make her suddenly seem like a sidekick. Like maybe if they have a couple episodes that kind of dealing with that, uh, I think that could actually be really fun and interesting. Where that is kind of the role she finds herself relegated to, and it's her kind of breaking out. Um, what I'm concerned about, though, is more him coming on and seeming really bumbling, and like, oh, we have to make him kind of incompetent so she can continuously save the day and save him. Uh, what I would actually really like is for him to come in in very mundane situations. Uh, like, oh, where's she going to spend Thanksgiving this year with her, like, Earth family or, like, with her Kryptonian family? I don't know. It's it's going to be a balancing act, I think, for them to do him correctly. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it would be fun to have him in more mundane situations. Definitely a few, like, more of them fighting side by side. Like, I think it's fine. Like, because, I mean, if if it was the reverse was true, you probably would have had an episode. If it was Superman's show, where Supergirl gets kidnapped or taken down a peg, and Superman has to go rescue her. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I think it's fine if they did, you know, an episode here or there where Supergirl is the one that's saving him for whatever the reason is. As long as it's not written too sloppily, it's it's right. fine. Well, yeah, um, if, if she's like his backup and like she sweeps swoops in at like a moment that he planned for, I don't know. Go anyway, continue. Yeah. No, I mean that's basically it. So I mean, I definitely want to catch up on the first season mm-hmm. uh, before the next season and and jump in just from what I did see. Like I love M- Melissa Benoist as as Supergirl. She, I think. Uh, nothing against some of the other like really good actors that are on the show. I feel like her energy and enthusiasm really carries the mm-hmm. ca- carried the whole show. Yeah, I'm really so. I'm really behind on all my superhero TV shows currently. Uh, even though most of them have ended, I'm still behind on them. Uh, also in Supergirl news, Linda Carter has joined the cast as the president of the United States. Uh, those who are unaware, Linda Carter played Wonder Woman in the 1970s TV show. Wonder Woman. Uh, the show's not great. I had to watch a bunch of it when I was at Frozen Yogurt Place without sound in the background. It kind of makes you go crazy. And also, for a brief time, Linda Carter was the only woman I found myself attracted to. It's a time in my life I don't want to revisit. We're just we're <laughs> not gonna we're not gonna go back to that right now. Oh boy, we won't put you through that. <laughs> we'll we'll try not to. Yeah. In some other CW news, the first episode of Flash Season 3 will be called Flashpoint. Huh. <sighs> and no one saw that coming. Now, here's, fantastic. here's the thing. I'm still behind on Flash, uh, but they, they do like to pull event names and use them as episode titles just for the fun of it. Um, 
So I'm asking. Do you not know the ending, The Flash? I don't actually. I'm still, I'm still free. I don't know the uh, ending to Arrow either. I know that the Arrow subreddit was so angry about it that they changed the subreddit to a Daredevil subreddit for the summer. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Uh, which is hilarious. But I'm wondering, are they going to do a Flashpoint style event to try and fix Arrow? Probably not. Uh, but yeah, we can't really discuss this, can we? Because I don't know what happens. How far behind are you? Uh, where you find out who Zoom is? Wait, you haven't found out who Zoom is? No, that's the last episode I saw. Was you know who he is? Well, it's assumed that, I mean, he has the same face as Jay Garrick. I'm assuming it's Hunter Zolomon. We're dealing with a twin situation, but I haven't gotten there yet to find out if that's Dude, the truth. Just, just catch up. Just I, catch up. I'm, you know, stuff. I got Uncharted 4. Oh my gosh, I find ways. Yeah, it's called so, not being good at your job. I, I'm really good at my job. So good that I find time between my job to catch up. Mark Millar, this is interesting. So yeah. Mark Millar and Armita Jr. Uh, have unveiled a new black female kick-ass. It would appear that the kick-ass series um, that kind of put Mark Millar on the creator-owned map uh, is coming back after three miniseries and a Hit-Girl miniseries. Um the kick-ass identity is now going to be a legacy character or legacy name and suit that honestly by going on very little details is presumably being passed down or just people in other cities are adopting the guys and taking it on and for this next volume and potentially the next few volumes we'll be following this black female kick-ass uh, as they go through whatever experiences that this kick-ass will go through mm-hmm. um, and that that won't be the end of it, though, that whenever this particular character's story wraps up, we will move on to other kick-asses that might last for an issue, that might last for only a volume or multiple volumes. It's kind of open-ended. Basically, kick-ass, Mark Millar has found a way to reopen the kick-ass well uh, and expand on it and kind of make it never-ending. And, and make some more money out of it. Make some more money out of it. So it will be interesting to see where that goes. Um, yeah, a couple of a couple of thoughts on that. Just or more information to add as we're talking here. Uh, John Romita Jr. has committed to work on the book for three years, according to Millar. Uh, Hit Girl will be drawn by uh, Raphael Albuquerque, which means that he will be moving off of uh, Batgirl. And Millar will write the first story arc, and then Daniel Way will take over as regular author. Which is, I mean, I, I know some people like to, to hate on uh, to Daniel Way. I've read some good stuff by him. I've read some not so good stuff by him. So it just depends on what kind of game he brings to it. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm just going to be checking out these books, but I will be curious. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the world's biggest fan of the Kick-Ass series. Uh, and you know, making these sort of changes to, to like the characters like this, like popular characters, it's hard for me not to feel like it's pandering of some kind, or it's like, well, we're not just going to do the same thing. It's now it's a, it's a black woman. Ah, isn't that interesting? Money, 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 money. Uh, if, if they're doing it correctly, it's going to be great. 
you know, if they're telling these stories uh, well, it's, you know, it's going to be great. It's Millar, so it's really hard to tell like, how that could go. He's been, I mean, he's been doing actually better for me lately. Um, so we'll just, I mean, we'll see how things turn out, but I'm, it it's just hard for me not to be a jaded comic book fan when I read this, <laughs> when I read this announcement, unfortunately. Uh, so hopefully I'm wrong. You know, hopefully I'm wrong. I don't really have such strong feelings of Kick-Ass that I really have a well, a, like a, a, a big opinion on it. So I mean, neither do I. But it's just hard for me not to feel like this is on some level some sort of pandering, and it very well might be. But that doesn't mean it doesn't it doesn't have to be a good story. It just I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well. Any other thoughts? Anything else you want to say, Nick? Any no. other news uh, tidbits? I did want to throw in that Howard the Duck ends in September, and I'm sad about that. Oh, yeah, that is sad. Marvel will also be doing uh, covers for prostate like awareness, prostate cancer awareness month. Good for them, but, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's prostate. It's funny. Uh <laughs> Prostates are funny. Prostates are funny. I get that prostate cancer is not. Don't come on, guys. Be cool. But but prostate. Prostates are funny. Uh, well, in that case, why don't we move on to recommendations? And Nick and David, you got to what, what? Are you recommending? Look, I'm going to be honest with you here. I was going to start reading something today so I can recommend it because I felt bad recommending something from Marvel without reading it. Uh, but so much stuff came out today and I got really busy running errands that I didn't have the chance to read it. So I don't, I, I'm going to be blunt. I don't have a recommendation this week. I'm going to have one by next week. Believe you me. Believe me you. Cause I'm, I'm not going to just recommend rumble again, no matter how much I want to just recommend rumble again. So you're going to uh, recommend rumble? No, again. I'm going to, I'm not officially recommending rumble again, but you know, Nick, what about you? Uh, good job, David. Um, Thank you. Hey, at least I'm honest. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I was really reading besides these comics in this past week was I thought I had finished the first volume of Peter David's Captain Marvel run. Turns out that Marvel Unlimited does not have the last 11 issues what? to that run. So it's just funny because the issue for number 25 is like a picture of uh, Rick Jones, one of the main characters, kind of walking into a portal, sort of like a final goodbye kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, it's totally the last issue. And I get to the end of the issue and it's like, next issue, this happens. And I was like, oh. So I'm hoping Marvel Unlimited adds that soon because I'm not really sure how else to catch up with it because maybe it's on Comixology and I can get the issues there. But either way... uh, I've probably recommended it before, um, but I mean, it's it's just it's a good book. Um, sometimes it gets a little um, corny, but if you like a book that's sort of self-aware without necessarily breaking the first fourth wall, then um, you might like Captain Marvel. Also, the most of the issues are drawn by Chris Cross, who has a very underrated style, and I try to think of something that he's worked on recently, and I can't. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked out Chris Cross's art, check out Chris Cross. So, so what's your recommendation this week? 
uh, this is the point in which Nick. Oh, wait, what was that? I said it's all good. Uh, what was your recommendation this week? Captain Marvel. You weren't oh. even paying attention. No, you're you froze. What? So you didn't hear anything I just said? No, I heard everything, and I said, "Hey, what's your recommendation?" And then there was a long pause, and then you suddenly came back. The connection is apparently getting a little bit weak, which is fine because we're at the end of the show. So, yes, yeah. I recommended Captain Marvel for those that maybe didn't hear that. Okay, we all heard you, Nick. Oh, oh okay. Uh, we have a good time, guys. We have a good time. Uh, as always, thank you for listening yes. to the show. You can find us at heckyeahcomics.com or follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. And you can write us an email, you know, just tell us how your day is going. But, uh, or about comics. You can also write about comics if you want to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and uh, Snapchat. Sure, let's go with that as well at davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Uh, you can find Nick uh, only reading three comics because what kind of comic fan is this guy, right? Am I right, guys? If you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. If you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, which will probably be next week, Goodbye. <laughs> 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 Ever.